Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we thank you oh so much for the many blessings you've already poured upon us. And now the awesome opportunity to get back in your word. Help us now as we do that. To understand it, apply it in the right way, build our faith and trust in you and in your word and draw close to you through the whole process. Thank you once again as we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. In this day and time, we need a friend that we can trust. And we know that we can trust in Jesus Christ. A true friend. He gave us the example of true friendship and willing to lay down his life for us. And he speaks about that in his word. But we can also see other examples of friends that you might not be able to really count on. As we go through our studies in the book of Job, we're seeing a very good example of that. How the so-called friends have come and they're just basing him, just blasting him, criticizing him, saying you're getting exactly what you deserve because you're a sinful person and you haven't confessed your sins. And the Lord's judging you, which was not the case at all. But we have this situation sometimes when those that we think are our friends may turn around not to be our friends, but to actually turn against us. And in the small book of Micah, we see in Micah chapter 7, a couple verses here, speaking of friends, it says, Trust ye not in a friend... Put ye not confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. For the son dishonoreth the father. The daughter riseth up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation, my God, will hear me. You can depend on God. Can't always depend on your friends, can't always depend on your family, because they will sometimes let you down. And it even says there you can't depend on the guides. The guides could be your teachers, they could be the government, they could be the pastor of your church. So you can't depend on them all the time either. Occasionally you can depend on them, but don't put full trust and dependence on anyone else other than the Lord because they will let you down one way or the other. In Psalm 41 verse 9, Yea, mine own family friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. Just as we've been studying in the book of Job, how his own friends turned against him. And started condemning him, criticizing him, cutting him down, and turning against him. And we see things going on in the world that are extreme in this. There has been a great movement, a great awakening of people in the Middle East. In Iran particularly, there has been millions of Muslims turn to Christianity, which is awesome. It's a great awakening going on over there. And sometimes it results in their own family members turning around and killing them for becoming a Christian. And that's a horrible situation. But the Word of God tells us that there are times that that's going to happen. And He tells us in the last days it's going to be happening more and more. And we clearly see more and more persecution, more and more against the Christians around the world. Sad to say, even in this country here, there's a lot more of it on the increase. Like he tells us in the prophecies of the last days in Luke chapter 21, verse 16, 
where he says, And ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolks and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death, prophesied and being fulfilled. But in the very last days, the time of the tribulation, it's going to be so much more of that, magnified that much more. We're seeing a bit of it now. We're seeing the taste. We're seeing the stage set, basically, ready for the next step. And it is approaching very rapidly. So we need to be trusting in the Lord. We need to put our full trust in the Lord. Like it says in Psalms 118, verses 8 and 9, Where it reads, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Clear, simple words. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. There again, going back to the government. Way too many people want to fully trust in the government. It's good for us as Christians to be involved in the governmental system. The Lord has designed it, established it for civilization. Therefore, he expects Christians to be a part of that, whether to actually get into politics or to at least be participants in the election of a particular candidate. Try to find the candidate that is as much in alignment with the Lord as possible. More and more difficult these days to find candidates that are true Christians, yes, but we are responsible as Christians to do what we can to keep this world focused on the Lord. And if we can have somewhat of an influence on the governmental system by being involved in voting or promoting or endorsing particular people that are God-glorifying individuals to be in politics, then we should do that. That's our opportunity to serve the Lord in that way. But he clearly tells us there we can't really trust them all the time. Because many times people get into those positions and it becomes a position that they are receiving some kind of reward. Whether it is the praise that they are receiving or whether it is the profit. Most times it winds up being the money, the profit. And that becomes their priority rather than the people. Therefore, you cannot trust that individual because they're just in it for themselves. And that applies to situations even within the household. You have family members that are greedy, that are selfish, that want it all for themselves. Some family settings, you have a number of children, and maybe one of the children thinks that they are the one who should get everything. Sometimes it's the firstborn, sometimes it's the baby, the, the youngest of the children that think, well, everything should come to them. And then they turn against their siblings. You see this rise up when a parent dies and there's some legacy left behind, some inheritance, and the children suddenly become enemies and they're fighting over the leftovers. I love that bumper sticker I've seen on the back of a big motorhome. We are spending our children's inheritance, which is sometimes the best thing to do for your children. Don't leave them anything to where they can fight over. Sometimes that's the best thing. But it's a shame that it comes to that, that sometimes even your closest people can turn against you. In Proverbs chapter 5, he gives us some good guidelines concerning 
this as far as trust. Words that are used quite a bit in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Always giving the Lord all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. Turn to him completely and fully, trusting in him. You can have a little general trust in some other person, yes. And it is very awesome and a lot to be thankful for when you have a spouse that you can truly trust. That you can trust with all your existence just like you trust the Lord. Not as much as the Lord, of course, but right up there close to it. Then you got a perfect home setting when you have that kind of relationship. That's awesome. And be thankful for it when you have it. In Matthew chapter 26, we see someone that has turned against the Lord. We know the Lord chose his disciples, and he even chose Judas Iscariot to be a disciple. He showed love toward Judas and blessings toward Judas and gave him opportunities to to serve in an awesome way when he sent the apostles out to heal others and to help others. But yet we see that that close friend turned against the Lord and right after he was praying, when his disciples had went to sleep while he was gone away praying, we see this unfolding in Matthew chapter 26 in verse 47. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave him a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he. Hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, Wherefore art thou come? Notice, he acknowledged him as friend, even there at the point of him condemning him to horrible torture and death on the cross through his actions as he continues. Read 50 again. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, wherefore art thou come? And they came. Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him and horribly treated him, tortured him. He fake court, a fake trial. They knew what they wanted to do right from the beginning of that trial. Abused him, tortured him, and crucified him. Of course, that was all part of the plan for him to die for our sins, to take on all the sins of all mankind, past, present, and future. That task shows true friendship, a friend that you can really trust. But if we see the situation where even Jesus Christ and the people that were closest to Him turned against Him, how much more should we expect that to possibly happen to us? That even our so-called friends or closest people around us could possibly turn against us. For whatever reason, they might rationalize in their mind, whether it's for their own selfish gain, or whether it's like Job's friends thinking that, well, you're no count, you did something wrong, therefore I'm going to turn against you. Whatever it may be, it shouldn't surprise us that that happens. 
I mean, we've all probably got some stories or some accounts or some memories that we could bring back where our friends or family members have turned against us. I mean, I've shared some with you in my own experiences. I even had a brother once say he wanted to kill me. All right, now turn to John chapter 13. The Lord gives us commandments to love one another. Commandment, not suggestion, but commandment. He commands that we love one another. Difficult to do sometimes. And even when those so-called friends or family members turn against you and want to kill you or hurt you in one way or the other, you can still be forgiving. You should still be forgiving. You better still be forgiving. He tells us, before we go to that, let's go back to Matthew chapter 6. In verse 14, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So whether you are the friend that is mistreating someone because of whatever reason you might have come up with in your mind, you better be forgiving if you want forgiveness. And if you are the one whose friend or family member has turned against you and done something against you, then you've got to also be forgiving of them. That's the commandments that we have. If we want forgiveness, we need to be forgiving, even on those that have done something that justify our anger toward them, such as a family member wanting to kill you. And those situations that we see unfolding over there in the Middle East, there's a lot of that going on and on the increase even in this country. All right, and John, back over in John again in chapter 13. Verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. What was that love? That was a love to the point ready to lay his life down for them. Even those that would turn against him. He laid his life down and paid the I mean, ultimate price for all sin of all mankind, past, present, and future. Love one another. It's a commandment. A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. What kind of testimony has a group of Christians if they do not display love for each other? If there is bickering and backstabbing and hardships and unforgiveness and chaos within the church, how is that going to appeal to the people to want to come in to be a part of that? We're not displaying Jesus Christ when we behave such a way. What does He tell us? Commandment to love one another so that the world will know that we are Christians. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. If we would do that, if Christians in general around the world would do that, we wouldn't have, who knows, countless numbers of denominations and divisions and splits and so forth of the church. It would come together in unity if there was that true love and forgiveness.
but it's not there. I mean, we hear news all the time about churches splitting up or kicking out pastors because of one thing or another that happened. And then, oh, well, just no forgiveness, no nothing, just split the church, divide up, condemn people. That's not love. That's not godly. That's not Christian. That's worldly. Shouldn't be happening. But yet it happens. Because we are still fallible creatures. We still have that tug of war, that flesh and spirit. Sometimes we all lean way too much to the flesh instead of the spirit. And those feelings and emotions rise up. Shouldn't be. Simple commandment there. But you know, there's a friend that we can trust. That's Jesus Christ. We can fully trust in Him. And when we hang on to Him, acknowledge Him, and do what He tells us to do, we have someone that can comfort us. As He tells us in John chapter 14, verse 15. If ye love me, keep my commandments. He just told us one of his commandments, to love one another. And we know that great commandment that he emphasizes, to love God with all of our existence, basically. So when we do those two things, the rest of this chapter applies where he says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. That comforter can come and give us the comfort and peace we need even in the midst of the hardest challenge. The hardest challenges that we face, whatever they may be, whether it's a physical problem we have, a financial problem we have, a relationship problem we have because of unforgiveness of someone or you, yourself, whatever it may be, He can comfort us because we can lift things up and give them to the Lord and not worry about them anymore. Like that barbell I speak of sometimes. It's like if you've done any weightlifting, you have heavy weights on each end of the bar. Just imagine all your problems, all your concerns, all your cares, your woes. Put them on that barbell. You lift them up. You press them. Oh, it's really heavy. You raise them all the way up and just let them go. And let the Lord take them. Let's read 16 again. And I will pray the Father, and He will give you another comforter, that He may abide with you forever. As He continues, even the Spirit of truth, truth, the truth that can be found in the Word of God, the comfort that we can find in the Word of God, the strength, encouragement, whatever it may be that we can find in the Word of God by way of the power of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't just come to us every once in a while like it did to the people of the Old Testament. He comes to us and stays with us forever. Reads that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. We know the world can't receive this because we see all the chaos and destruction around the world with people fighting and bitter arguments and even wars because of sometimes simple things that trigger such actions. They don't have the forgiveness. They don't have the indwelling spirit. They want to pay back. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. 
He's coming into us. He stays in us. He dwells within us all the time. And here he's speaking to the disciples in verse 19. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. Here he was telling them about what was about to happen. About him being crucified, going into that grave. And that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him, reveal himself to us. Because he conquered that grave. He come up out of that grave. Stuck around some 40 days preaching and teaching. Ascended to the Father. Sits on the right hand of the Father. The great high priest. Our mediator. And indwells us with the Holy Ghost. Notice the question that was given to him at this teaching in verse 22. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou shalt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Abode, that means dwelling place. Come and dwell with us. And that is awesome, that that is available, and that's a promise from the Lord. Keep his commandments. Love one another. Love God with all your existence. He's going to come into you, comfort you. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. That's a confidence builder for us. That the writings from the apostles are dependable. That the records that we have that we can now go back to and study of their experiences and the wisdom that has been given to them by the Holy Ghost is accurate. The apostles, the disciples that recorded the word and preserved it for us to be able to study, we can depend on because the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, taught them and brought all things to remembrance. So they wrote it down for us to study. That's why the Word of God is so important to study. When we study His Word, when we understand and know that relationship that we can have and have that relationship and the Holy Ghost comes into us, then verse 27 kicks in for all of us, not just the disciples that He was speaking to there, but to all of us that have trusted in Him in verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Not as the world. Because the world give you something, they're going to take it back. It's, they're going to take it back because it's what they want. They want to just give you something for their own selfish gain. But that ain't the way it is with the Lord. He gives you something for your benefit. And that peace that comes upon us. And we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid about the tyranny in the world. We don't need to be afraid about the potential of world war. We don't need to be afraid about our own family members turning against us. Because if we got things right, we got things right. We're sealed. Even if they do wind up killing us, we're going to be with the Lord. 
So trust in the Lord 100%. 100%. And on over into chapter 15, verse 26, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. That's why we can take confidence in His Word. They were there. They were dwelt with the Holy Ghost. And when it tells us that we can receive the Holy Ghost, when we trust in the Lord, then we can have that same ability to remember what He teaches us, to acknowledge that with others, to proclaim that with others, to have that kind of indwelling spirit of peace that could come over us so that we won't have any hardships against others. And right there in chapter 15, in verse 9, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Same theme, over and over and over. I preach about this so much, and that is the love, the true love. They also use the word charity, which means concern for someone else's well-being. A sincere and honest concern for someone else's well-being. Not just your own selfish needs. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, that your joy might be full. We cover this verse so many times, over and over. I keep going back to this. Because I see so many people that are miserable. They shouldn't be miserable. If they do what the Lord tells us, if we read the Word of God, if we do exactly what He tells us here, and that is to love one another and love God, then that joy can come upon us. And it's not just our own joy that we could manifest but it's the joy of the Lord that can come into us, indwell us so much that it overflows into those around us. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Once again, emphasizing, verse 12, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. As he has loved us. And he gives us that example. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. That applies to the disciples, but also applies to us, in that He called us. By the power of the Holy Ghost, He calls us in to be a part of the family, beckoning us, calling us, come on in, come in and receive a free gift. You must take that gift and apply that gift and become part of the family because He chose us and ordained us. That means determined a special purpose for our lives. Whatever it may be, need to pray about it and find out what it is and use it to the fullest. 
Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. We've talked about that one here recently as well. If we are right with God, if we are truly prayed up, if we are loving others as ourselves, if we are loving God at the point where we really should, then that applies. Then whatsoever we ask, He's going to give it to us. If we want peace, if we want prosperity, if we want healing, whatever it is, because He tells us it's his, it is in His Word and it is truth. And in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, Jesus came and spake unto them, them saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He comes into us. He's with us always, never to leave us, never ever going to leave us. Just like it says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's a friend you can trust that will never leave you or forsake you. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. A friend you can trust that will never let you down. That is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus and Heavenly Father, we truly thank You for being that kind of friend. Help all of us to realize that we need to be that kind of friend toward each other as well. After all, You've commanded us to do that. Help all of us yield to that command. That we can go out here and the world can see that there's a difference amongst us. That there is a difference within us. That there is a difference that they want to be a part of. Help us to truly do that, to shine so brightly that the world sees the pathway to get to you. Lead God, direct every word that we say, every thought that we have, every step that we take. Because we pray in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.